Hey, Kingdom Roots friends. Thanks for joining us today. I wanted to remind you that Kingdom Roots is brought to you by Northern Seminary. Northern exists to equip leaders of the church to engage the world with God's mission. I'd encourage you to go on over to our website at seminary.edu to learn about the many different ways that Northern equips the church to engage the world. There's all sorts of different programs, resources, webinars, and if you'd specifically be interested in doing something like studying the New Testament with Scott McKnight, he has a couple of great programs, including the Masters of Arts in New Testament and his Doctorate of Ministry in New Testament Context. You can learn about both of those opportunities at seminary.edu forward slash M-A-N-T. Well, thanks again for joining us today, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Kingdom Roots Podcast with Scott McKnight, the conversation designed to look at how the kingdom took root then and how it's taking root now. Today on the podcast, we have a conversation with Joshua Dubois on the History Channel program, Jesus, His Life. So Scott, we've got a really exciting conversation today. Um, You and Joshua just have some very insightful things that you talk about on this new exciting project that both you and he were working on, on Jesus and his life. Um, What do our listeners need to know about Joshua and this project that you guys have been working on together? Uh, The um, History Channel is producing or is now televising on Monday evenings, two hours, one hour per episode of eight different people around Jesus, and they are looking at their understanding of Jesus um, from different angles. And so it's been a really uh, great project and a great idea. But I was involved, I've been involved with this for a long time, reading scripts. Um, and I'm not a script reader, but uh, I made, you know, all kinds of suggestions. I thought the scriptwriters were very, very good. I mean, there were a few mistakes that had to be corrected, but it was very good. And then I got to watch most of these episodes over the last uh, few, uh, I'd say the last month. I got to watch the whole episode, and um, they were really good. So uh, uh, Joshua uh, is at a higher level in that sense than I am And what happened. I was a script reader and evaluator and an episode evaluator, whereas he was uh, more involved in the mentoring, the guiding, the directing of uh, of how this project was working out. And then I'm sure he was involved with choosing names. So this is going to be some insight for many people who are going to watch these episodes to find out what was actually going on behind the scenes. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say, is that this is kind of a behind-the-scenes slice um, perspective on uh, this you know, very cool project that you guys worked on, and hopefully will be valuable. So um, today, really hope you enjoy the conversation that Scott and Joshua have. I want to encourage you to um, get on to the History Channel, however you, you can do that to watch these episodes, because they are insightful and um, informative to the people around Jesus. And um, also want to encourage you to check out what the things Joshua is working on. I will include those in the show notes um, as well. So thank you for joining us and hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, Joshua, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. 
Thanks for having me. Joshua, um, when I was contacted by, uh, I guess the people at the time were Newtopia. I don't remember that I knew right away it was the History Channel that was going to produce this or, or publish it. Um, I was curious about a new project on Jesus at this time of the year because most of the time it's it's driven by some kind of conspiracy to get Christians kind of irritated <laughs> about the things that they believe. So, um, and c- could you explain to us your role in the process of Jesus and his life yeah. and uh, your vision for it? Absolutely. So I am kind of a lead series advisor for Jesus, his life, as well as an on-screen, on-screen contributor. Um, I've worked with history and A plus E overall, so that's A&E, History, Lifetime, and FYI, for going on six years now on a range of projects, usually related to either race and racial justice or um, religion. Um, I started with them as soon as I left the, the White House, um, and um, along with some other clients, but they've, they've kind of been um, a real centerpiece of our work, helping them navigate um, the, the terrain of, of race and religion in the United States and around the world. And so they reached out about this project. I think Newtopia initially presented it to history, and then history called me and we started talking. And, you know, there was a threshold decision early on. Um, we wanted to tell a story about the life of the most important man and um, the, the man who was also uh, fully God as well um, that, that's ever walked this earth. Um, uh, and, and we had to decide how we were going to tell this. And, you know, there has been this kind of more critical approach seeking to, you know, quote unquote, debunk scripture and, you know, ask conspiratorial questions and so forth. And pretty quickly we landed that we did not want this show to be that. Instead, we wanted to um, to take uh, and amplify the Gospels uh, rather than seek to critique them. We wanted to give voice and vision to the written word um, and really tell the story of Jesus's life, death, and resurrection from a Christian perspective. Um, and so that was just kind of a threshold decision. And then it went to, okay, well, how are you going to do that? Um, and that's where we decided we wanted to tell it through the um, through the lens of the people in Jesus's life um, who, who knew him best. And so, Scott, you know this as well as anyone as ha- having been one of our closest and mo- our most important advisors throughout the process. But I'll stop there. That's kind of where it came from. Yeah, and and Joshua, when I was when I was first produ- uh, approached about this, the idea of talking about who Jesus was from the angle of eight different people who knew him, I thought was genius, and I thought I think this is a good thing to do because we will hear voices that we haven't otherwise listened to. Uh, many people, like Mary Magdalene, she's worth a sermon a year, maybe. Uh, maybe every three years if you're a lectionary reader. Um, Pontius Pilate only gets negative publicity. Caiaphas doesn't get much. And and really, not many people talk that much about John the Baptist. So so when Newtopia told me about this approach, I thought it was really distinct and helpful. And, um, and it leads me uh, to another question, and that is um, how how they decided, and you may know more, I'm sure you know a lot more about this than I do, 
how they decided to bring all these differing voices uh, as commentators, all the way from from Michael Curry to Robert Cargill to Ben Witherington to Christina Cleveland. Um, they just brought a lot of voices yeah. to the table. And I wonder if there was any discussion of how best to do that. Yeah, no, great question, Scott. I think, you know, I I would have to sum it up as we were looking for creative Christian tension in the best sense of the word. So by no means division or divisiveness. Rather, we wanted to illuminate the scripture, um, you know, through the eyes and the scholarship of those who rightly divide the word of truth um, in different ways. Um, and we know that there are different perspectives on things. And so the perspective that Otis Moss III, um, a prominent yeah. African-American pastor in the city of Chicago, might bring to the table might be different from Ben Witherington. It might be um, different from, you know, what the advice that uh, Dr. Naisha Jr. would provide or Scott that you might provide. Now, on, in large measure, what's interesting is that in a lot of cases, people do agree on, you know, a tremendous amount of the content on the scripture and the history and the scholarship. But there are some points of difference. And we wanted to to acknowledge that because, quite frankly, you know, in in, in my Christian practice, you know, there are lots of things that I have answers to, but many that I don't and that I have to bring them in prayer and through discernment and just kind of the guidance of the Holy Spirit to um you know, I have to bring up these big questions, um, and sometimes, uh, and, and they are not always resolved. And we wanted a, a little bit of that lack of resolution in this series as well. Well, I, I noticed it in the uh, in the Joseph episode, and in the John the Baptist episode, there were differences, uh, there was tension, and uh, I, I got to thinking as I was watching it uh, on TV. Uh, the, on the on Monday night, that the the diversity of different people being asked in the first century, uh, what did you think of Jesus? You know, like Joseph. You know, they nurtured Jesus. Um, was mirrored by the diversity of voices that were being asked to comment on these. So I I thought the diversity was very helpful because it was about, I mean, if you follow the whole series, if you're just listening to Joseph, you're not going to feel this. But once you watch all eight episodes, uh, two per evening, uh, you begin to sense that the diversity of the of perspective on Jesus in the first century is also mirrored in the diversity of voices, even within the Christian church, um, as they look at Jesus. Yeah. Joshua, when I was first talked to about this episode, about these episodes, um, I was under the impression that there would be acting, but that the actors would not be speaking. And I think I was told that. I think that may have been an original plan. But um, when it came out, when I saw the first episode uh, on my computer in very rough form, I was really impressed with the acting. I'm not a, I'm not a thespian of any of any sort, but uh, I watched it and I thought these are these are really believable characters. I wonder what you, uh, what your impression 
of the of the acting is. Yeah, I think they did a phenomenal job with the casting and bringing some really accomplished um, stage and screen actors to the table. Um, you know, they're not folks that are super well known. They might be a bit more known after this project, but these are folks. A number of them, quite frankly, were British that they found that um, that have have engaged the life of Christ in different ways on screen before there are some persian actors um which was really interesting you know i think part of what newtopia and certainly we encouraged as well uh, part of what they wanted to do was to um convey a more authentic picture of what you know folks walking around in, the, in at this century and this time would have looked like and sounded like and so forth maybe not sounded like from a linguistic perspective but you know yeah um, yeah and, and so i think they they, they they were striving for more authenticity um and you know in general i think they wanted to i i hate to, to be so shorthanded in the way i say it but to reduce the cheesiness factor and really kind of get to the heart of how someone would have responded you know how joseph would have responded when he heard that news from Mary for the first time, you know, um, or uh, the the different. Eventually, we'll see the you know the different things that Caiaphas or uh, Pilate might have been thinking about when they're on the verge of making a, a you know really tr- a terrible decisions. Uh, so so really kind of getting to that raw human emotion rather than sort of a glossy um, you know almost you know Sunday school version of the story is is what uh, what we were striving for. You know, on the Joseph episode, Joshua, uh, I know you preach uh, a lot, and preaching at Christmas time can be very challenging because after about three or four years, you go, "Man, oh man, what am I going to say now? I, I, I've given everybody my the best ideas I've ever had in my life on Christmas, and there's nothing new to say. And if it's new, it's probably goofy." But um, I remember studying the Joseph. When I wrote the Jesus Creed, uh, Joseph was the uh, template chapter for my book. And uh, I wrote that chapter 19 different times, starting from the beginning, using stuff that I've worked on to try to find a template. And the one thing that that I was convinced of, I thought was so beautifully portrayed in that movie, uh, is this tension. Joseph... Uh, is described by Matthew as a righteous man. Now that that's such Christian talk that uh, we think, yeah, he's a nice guy. That that word actually will describe a person who is observant of the Torah and observant of, let's say, Jewish uh, regulations of how to interpret the Torah. So here is a man who is known for being very pious, and he is confronted with the reality, and I thought this was, I I think it could have been dragged out a little bit uh, harder uh, or longer, is that Mary approaches him and says that she's pregnant. Now, of course, no one knows how that occurred and what she said, but when a righteous man is confronted with the reality that his fiance is pregnant, He doesn't say, well, what should I do? The first thing that Joseph is going to do is is go to Scripture, which he's got memorized, and he knows he must divorce her, and that one of the the implications of this sort of behavior is the death penalty, a capital punishment. So 
that is staged beautifully in the movie. And it's a reality, a social reality that many people at Christmas miss. You know, our Christmas scenes are so beautiful. We have snow and Christmas trees and ornaments and presents and everything so hunky-dory. This is a really tough moment for him. And then he decides to go against the tradition of being righteous by marrying her. And uh, this is this is a point yeah. I, I wonder what you think. Joseph, Joseph, in many ways, begins to experience the cross before Jesus is born. Yeah. Oh, that's a great point, Scott. And, and you know, and I think Jesus probably intentionally um, and just kind of God's divine design of this whole thing probably planted a, a few different sort of cross moments in those around Jesus throughout to sort mm-hmm. of serve as a precursor. And I, I think mm-hmm. that's exactly right. I also think, you know, there's something about that story, the, the real version of that story, that's just so much more meaningful for, you know, when we think about the application for our own lives and just kind of for our, our practice of trying to do God's will in the world. Um, you know, it's it's one thing for Joseph to get some bad news <laughs> and then, you know, almost suddenly an angel to appear and then he, he changes, you know, he's he's fine. But yeah. you have to grapple with like the, the, the concurrent forces of, you know, legalism and or just, you know, you, you know, his his, um, his piety with, you know, what he must have understandably felt as a man and as a husband. Yeah. And then for God to begin to work on his heart, you know, to probably, you know, th- uh, create a, a little window of a tender space so that he could receive better news. And then, quite frankly, to hold on to that better news, right? I mean, there's there's no reason that even after, I mean, how many, there's so many times where we've seen God do something pretty miraculous in our lives. And right afterwards, like, you know, I don't know, if I've never had an angel come and visit me, but, you know, certainly there've been these big moments where I'm so sure that I heard from God. Um, but then that goes away over time and I lose faith in whatever the message was that I just heard. So there's nothing that says that Joseph had to have held on to that, um, to that message and to that that word, but but he did. And I think when we see that that more realistic um, journey, sort of emotional and mental and spiritual journey that Joseph went through, um, then it be, that, that can become so much more meaningful in our application to our own lives as well. So I think you're exactly right. And that, that's probably one of my favorite parts of the series. And, then, and the other thing is, you know, he starts, he's mad and he starts throwing things around. It looked like his shop. I don't know what that was attempted to be. And that sense of shame, he was, uh, to find this news uh, for a typical red-blooded male is uh, is shameful and turns into anger. And I thought, that's realistic. That's that's the sort of thing that probably was experienced. We we make Joseph so pious. And Mary, you know, is 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 made even more pious that the the actual uh, flesh and blood realities of these people need to be cast in forms like this, uh, and especially at this time of year, for for many people to grasp it. So um, are, were you involved at all in uh, the acting, what was going to happen in the acting and what should what would be the next scene? 
Were you involved with that at all? Sure. Some of the the kind of stage directions, the cues that we would give, not in terms of, you know, I, I didn't tell people kind of how, you know, how, how intense to be or what kind of look to give, that kind of thing. But the things that sort of flowed from the written word and directions, um, yeah, we were, we were a bit involved in that. And quite frankly, you know, the work that, that you and a small team of others did to advise us on that ultimately kind of downstream impacted the acting as well. But um, so, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. That's it was pretty neat. Um, on uh, John the Baptist, yep. Um, what were some things that stood out for you about how John the Baptist is presented in this in these episodes? You know, I think it was. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. You preparing the way is is the is the heart and soul, um, but I think it also kind of built out. John's agency on his own and the decision that he made to um, to, to prepare the way. Um, and I think that was key. I also think, quite frankly, the intensity of his suffering and the fact that he maintained um, his faith. Um, even, you know, there are some moments where if you look in his eyes, it looks like he's wavering towards the end in, in, the, in the jail cell. And, you know, as they sort of pull out mm-hmm. those pieces, um, I think that's, I mean, it's, the brutality of um, of these moments, I think we can miss, you know, um, b- both for Jesus on the cross, but also for for followers of Jesus. And I, you know, I think yeah. for in the same way that a movie like Twelve Years of Slave kind of underscored how intense and difficult and brutal chattel slavery was in the United States, I I feel like you know we 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 need to understand a little bit more both Jesus's suffering, but also the suffering of Christians at the time of those who made this difficult decision. I'm not sure. I think there could be a whole show just about kind of early Christianity, um, you know, after, after the Ascension, right. And, and what folks went through there and also what people like John the Baptist went through beforehand. So the intensity of suffering, I think was, um, was important too. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like, I, I feel like there are these people um, throughout scripture that you know i know that god loves us all equally but you know maybe that maybe there's a little bit more of a smile when 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 he recalls and and thinks about certain people and i feel like john the baptist is one of you know just in my whole spiritual imagination one of those people in some ways and i think this episode kind of underscored the special and unique place that this baptizing radical had and has in our spiritual lives. So, you know, those are just some of the things. You know, um, when I, when I teach on John the Baptist and when I've thought about him, um, here's something that I, I learned um, from normal people reading the Bible is that the, the gospel focus rightly is on Jesus. So when John appears John's serving Jesus somehow. He's just serving it up for him. But if we go back and put together the little episodes about John, John becomes a pretty a pretty fulsome and even fierce character. And what I'll tell you one thing that really stood out to me in in the uh, film was the uh, courage mm-hmm. of John the Baptist. I mean, let's face it. What's it like to tell the whole nation that it needs to repent? You know, we we read as Christians, oh, there's Isaiah and Ezekiel, these prophets, they're just wonderful people. And here's John the Baptist, a new prophet, another prophet on the scene. It seems so good. But 
What's it like to stand up and tell the whole nation that they got to start over, that God is coming to judge the country, that the people, there's wickedness and corruption in the very center of the system in Washington, D.C., I mean, Jerusalem, and they're going, they're going to, they're going to critique. And he, he critiques these people. And every moment that he's doing that, he's being critiqued himself and it, his life is in danger. And he has to, he has to back down yeah. from the status that he gained from baptizing those people to follow Jesus. And then I thought the scene in, in prison was, was amazing besides the cruelty of the guard not handing him water, you yeah. know, just a little bit would help. No, can't, doesn't even have the humanity, the kindness to do that. But John is doubting. And that's part of the, one of the great episodes in the gospels is, is when John, yeah. you know, are you the one who's to come or not? He's asking the question, come on, if you are, help me, I'm in trouble. And uh, so I, th- but then John, he stands up and he's got courage enough to tell, uh, I thought, I thought they really um, went over the top. I mean, not in a negative way, with John telling off the telling off the leaders. So, I I was really impressed with that John the Baptist episode. Yeah, it's I I really liked it as well. And and you raise a good point about all that he had to give up. Um, you know, not just his life and his freedom, but his his position, his stature. Um, and he said, listen. That, all that has been building toward this moment, right? That, you know, the, it's, it's, it is, you know, it almost felt like it was an honor for him to give all that up so that he could follow Jesus yeah. and prepare the way. Yeah. Um, what are, what do you, would you like to tell people to look forward to in the episodes to come? Oh, there's so much, you know, overall, I think the, the thing that I experienced watching these, and I'll, I'll talk about some specific um, pieces, but is, you know, I always learn something new and I'm always sort of, sort of riveted by what's happening on screen. And so, you know, for folks who are more focused on some of the dramatic elements and the acting and the storytelling, I'm excited for you to experience that. But for those who are kind of scripture geeks like myself, who, you know, um, are really kind of interested in the history and the context of the time. There's, there's a lot there as well. Um, I'm excited for folks to dig into to the uh, Mary episode, Mary, the, the mother of Jesus. Um, I think there's a, a, a good amount about her that was, that's new and revealed. I guess I didn't, you know, one small example, not to give too much away, but I didn't fully under, I didn't fully appreciate how important her words um early words to Jesus at the, at the wedding feast were in terms of like a catalytic moment for Jesus's ministry. At least she says they've run out of wine and, you know, it's it kind of, the, the, I won't give more away than that because I'd like the, you know, the scholars to, to walk through that with people, but that, you know, just kind of her role in, in, in helping him in, in this early phase of, of ministry, but also the flip side of that, the, um, the Jesus's move away from his family, you know, we obviously know some of the keystone yeah. verses that describe that. Um, but, you know, what that must have been like for him to redefine his core ministry is not someone who's in as a part of a family, but that's someone who's following the, the you know, pathway that his heavenly father laid out for him. And so I'm looking forward to that. I'm excited for po- folks to dig into Pilate and Judas and Caiaphas and some of the tougher stuff, because I think we have not had 
really rounded um, looks at those people before, and you know Jesus as a threat and Jesus as a um, as as a source of tension and challenge for people. I think is is something that's important and and deserves a closer and deeper look. So there's there's a lot. I'm just excited for people to dive in. I think they'll really enjoy it. How do you think churches uh, or schools, Bible study groups could use these uh, the, the 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 history production? of Jesus's life. I really do think that this can be a, a centerpiece, particularly in different moments throughout the year, Scott, as, you, as you've described. And so, you know, use some of the Joseph pieces um, and the Mary pieces for a, around Christmas time. And certainly, you know, there's so much throughout the series that could be used around Easter. But as you're doing deep dives on in, these individual people, you know, pull out the things that are they're most relevant for you. So I think that's also a really good way to approach the series over the next three weeks is watch it with an eye toward how you might use it. Now, there may be some pieces that aren't relevant or, you know, maybe there's yeah. a scholar that says something that you disagree with and that you don't, that's not the way that you interpret the scripture or the history, then don't use that, right? Use, use the ones where you feel like that it's aligned with um, your your classroom or your congregation, uh, because I think there's a ton there, particularly in this day and age when, you know, folks need more content that's relevant and that's compelling. I think this is, you know, this is the, the absolute perfect way to, to get some of that. Joshua, how did uh, how did the first uh, night do in numbers? Do you do they? Yeah, it did really well. I think 1.9 million watched overall for the early numbers. And that's watched live. That doesn't include DVR and so forth. Um, and uh, and then, you know, there significant numbers in the, in what they call the demo. The You know, I think it's like 20 to 40 or something like that. But uh, overall, I think folks were very, very pleased. There was also a really robust social conversation. Definitely encourage folks to head over to Twitter, use the hashtag JesusIsLife and join us for conversation there. Um, so yeah, I think it, it did really well. People are pleased. And, and honestly, we think it's going to build between now and, and the in the series finale. You know, um, I want to return just to one theme, and that is frequently when we do movies or when we see productions about Jesus at this time of the year, it's about the last week and it's about the resurrection. If they get there, uh, it's about the politics I think the distinctive contribution of this production, Jesus, His Life, by History Channel, is is the telling of the story of people around Jesus that, in essence, ends up telling us about who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I think that this this is going to be a great contribution that will make the gospel stories more realistic. Uh, these are things; these are scenes that I think. If it's a story of Jesus, the little episode about John the Baptist can largely be neglected. But when the whole story is about John the Baptist, when the whole story is about Mary Magdalene, when the whole story is about Judas, and I really wondered, and I've seen it, of course, but I really wondered how uh, this was going to be portrayed. I think it gives us clarity uh, and, and pastors and leaders in churches, Bible study professors, they're going to be able to use these videos as well. So, uh, one other question, and that is, what kind of uh, what kind of responses are you seeing come through? Yeah, I know you've mentioned social yeah. media, but uh, positives and negatives. What kinds of things are you seeing? 
Yeah, overwhelmingly positive. You know, the the you know, say ninety to ninety five percent of folks are just kind of appreciating a thoughtful but still compelling look at the life of Jesus. And so, a lot of folks, you know, um, are, are are saying a lot of very kind things because they, you know, they know the scholarship was rigorous, um, but it's also you know rooted in the Gospels. It's not a critique of the Gospels. Instead, it takes them as true. Um, and and this is good acting as well. I would say, kind of on on the margins of criticism, there are some more secular scholars that, you know, would have preferred something that questions scriptures themselves rather than just individual moments within the scriptures. And so, um, and, you know, obviously that was just a decision that we made. That's not, that's not this show. <laughs> and that, that's, there, that has been other shows in the past and it's not this one. And then I would say that there are some um, folks who um, are concerned that there's any kind of questioning of any, uh, yeah. even further elucidation of any sort of moment in, in scripture at all. So for example, when, um, when, you know, I forget if it was Bob Cargill or someone else that, that talked about how Jesus, how Joseph was a tecton and that has yeah. been interpreted as a carpenter, but in fact, it was, um, you know, anyone who sort of worked on houses, it could have been an architect, could have been a builder, um, et cetera. Uh, to me, that's a good thing. I'm glad I know that now, just as a believer. Yeah. But to others, you know, that it it undermines something that was important to them or a key part of their stories and, and so forth. And so I think there are a few folks that have said, well, you know, we don't want any questioning like that. Um, but the, the thing for me is I, I feel like at least in, you know, I feel like particularly for more for, for Christians that have been walking this journey for a while, you know, our faith is and should be strong enough to um, to encounter something, agree with some pieces. Maybe there's a few things that you disagree with, um, but ultimately let, let the scripture be your guide and, and, and your own discernment of it. And so I think from that perspective, that I think that's what, how a lot of people are approaching it. And, and so I think the response has been very good. Well, I um, I, I agree with what, what you're saying. That's that's the sort of response I'm hearing. And and, and uh, on Tectone, uh, you know, I, I remember reading about this 40 years, 30 years ago. Yeah. Uh, maybe 40, sorry to say. Um, and it, the word means artisan. And he could have worked. Sure, he worked with some wood and he probably worked with stone. There's not a lot of foresting in Nazareth. Mm, yeah. uh, so there's, you know, I mean, yeah, they could import wood and work with wood. But uh, a lot of the uh, the construction was out of stone. And if you're going to make your money doing that, you're going to have to work with stone. But I think um, in in closing, Joshua, I want to say I thought uh, whoever was involved with this uh, was brilliantly capable of keeping the commentators and the stories contained by what the Bible says, what the gospel records uh, have, rather than questioning it, going off on tangents, debates that would surely get people irritated. But I just thought it was a masterful um, control, um, guidance, mentoring. And I'm sure there were lots of statements made by some of these scholars that didn't make it because they didn't fit uh, the script. But uh, I want to congratulate you and Scott Buckout and all those involved, Robert Cargill, Ben Witherington, um, Peppered, all the, all the people for uh, what I thought was just uh, a marvelous scene and something that I think will help the American public and especially the Christian public to have something um, to go to 
as fair presentations of the gospel in in uh, dramatic form. Well, so, Joshua, thank you uh, from me and for all my students who are going to get to see these scenes. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Scott, we so appreciate that. And I mean, that really means the, the world to me um, and certainly to us, and I'll convey it to others. And, you know, again, you have been walking with us, kind of helping us shape the themes, the scripts and and so forth um, for, for, for months now. And we can't tell you how grateful we are. And I hope you see some of your comments and perspectives re reflected on screen. We certainly see it. So, so thank you. And uh, just uh, so much gratitude for all that you've done. Well, thank you. Hey, Joshua, before we let you go today, um, if somebody was interested to learn more about some of the other work that you are involved in and maybe even engage in that, where would be the best place to go to do that? Yeah, our website for our social impact consulting company is valuespartnerships.com, valuespartnerships.com. Um, you can always ping me on Twitter at, at Joshua Dubois. Um, but yeah, those are probably the best ways, but would love to hear from anyone. Great. Well, thanks so much again for joining us. And thank you, our listeners, for joining us today. We always um, appreciate you being able to be involved and um, engage in these conversations. I want to encourage you to make sure, just like both Joshua and Scott said, to watch the upcoming episodes. It'll be on again April 1st, April 8th, and 15th. Make sure you make that a priority. And really, you know, as we always talk on here, this is about how a conversation on how the kingdom took root then and how it's taking route now and for the mission and um, movement of the church, there's no greater story. There is no other story for us to know other than Jesus's. So um, hopefully you'll get to benefit as much as I have from this valuable resource. And um, we look forward to being with you next time as we continue our conversation on how the kingdom took root then and how it's taking root now.